Hi, I'm Doug. And I'm David. And we are Beyond Hungry. So Doug, what are we talking about in this episode? We really kick things off talking about how to make food last. Uh, Because we're in the middle of coronavirus, COVID-19 quarantine, we're trying to go to the grocery store less. And and that means trying to make all the food that we have in our fridge and our freezer uh, and out in the open last as long as possible. And so we're kind of sharing the ways that we've adapted how we cook and prepare things at home to make sure we can squeeze every last drop out of that. We also talk a lot about uh, looking to the past to inform what we should do now. Uh, a lot of our parents or our grandparents or or older generations have had to live through situations that are, you know, maybe similar in terms of food scarcity or, you know, the lack of security around food and looking to them to kind of educate us on what we can do now. Um, and I think we kind of wrap things up and talking about how we've been learning a lot of things on the internet via YouTube or social media, uh, other platforms like that to kind of help us kind of hone our skills to, to learn new things that we've never seen before and just become better cooks. Yeah. I mean, like you said, um, I can't imagine going through this in a different era, you know, like without internet and the technology that we currently have and also like the access to like celebrities like you have stanley tucci make showing you how to make a cocktail which is <laughs> yeah. awesome uh it kind of like you know gives you a, a window and just the, the resources that were like access to granted you know yeah. some race some resources can be sketched but yeah i mean it, it's just nice to see how other people do the same things that we're doing uh, whether they're professionals or whether they're home cooks, or even if they're just trying something for the very first time, uh, it's really just good to see all that happening. And it, it kind of makes, I don't know, I feel like it makes me feel less alone. <laughs> That's true. Should we get to it? Let's get to it. So, Doug. How do you preserve your ingredients, like your fresh veggies, herbs, fruits? Like, what's your techniques now? You know, I I can tell you right now that I'm really bad at doing this. That's not to say that I haven't done anything, but the the number of times that I've dug into the fridge to find a vegetable that I'd forgotten about uh, and that it has gone bad or like especially herbs. Herbs are uh, they they haunt me. Uh, I, I'm never good with them to find that they're like all kind of like slimy and dark and wilted. Uh, it happens a lot still. Uh, I'm getting better at it, but definitely part of it is that I am not doing enough to set them up for success. Shall we say, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not doing a good job of making sure that they can last. Um, so like what I've done, I'll tell you right now. Um, I use a lot of scallions when I cook because uh, I cook a fair amount of Korean food. Uh, and, and also I'm, I'm on this kick where I'm doing a lot of Chinese food. So I use a lot of them. And so I've taken to regrowing them first. I tried regrowing them in water, uh, which I know a lot of people are doing right now during COVID-19, uh, because it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, it does kind of smell up your room a little bit. What you do is you take your scallion or your green onion, and instead of using the whole thing, you kind of chop off the root, um, maybe like leave like an inch or two. And then you can take those and you can put them in water, like in a water glass or like a small vase or anything like that. And all you do is you change the water every day and they will keep on growing. So new new greens will shoot up after that. And then you can keep on doing that. I think you can, I've heard that you can regrow them like two or three times 
using this method, but um, but then after that, they 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 do sort of start to get weaker in flavor. And so what I've done is I've I've regrown them a little bit, but then I've actually replanted them in um, in some soil. I have some garden planters outside, and so I've replanted them there, and um, they're starting to shoot up. I've actually used them a couple times now, which has been really great. And but that's that's pretty much one of the best places I've had success in you know, keeping my vegetables going. What about you? Yeah, I think we've, we've tried to learn more and like do a little bit more research now because we, tr we started because of COVID wanting to do grocery shopping once every two weeks. And sometimes about the end of the first week, things were getting bad and I just bought some vegetables and they were getting moldy. So I decided to clean out the fridge, like, you know, take the hose to it and sanitize it and stuff like that. So certain things like cilantro, you know, keeping them in like water, like we, I cut the bottoms a little bit mm -hmm. and then put them in the water, but I tend to like wash those, like the herbs right away. So that way I can just grab the fridge and, and pull them out and, and start using them. Yes. Yeah, so, so for me, cilantro is definitely one of those herbs that goes bad on like at the drop of a hat. Like I, I buy like a bunch of cilantro. I might use a little bit and I'm like hoping to use some of that later in the week and then it's done. <laughs> it's gone. Granted, a lot of places, a lot of grocery stores, sadly. I bought some cilantro and then like the next two days it was just bad and it was no way salvaging it. So I tend to use aluminum foil a lot, which I need to kind of reduce that just because I don't want, I want to be less wasteful. Um, onions, we keep them in a separate bowl, either mm -hmm. in the pantry or on the, the shelf. There's no sunlight. We accidentally put like potatoes with the set, the onion bowls and apparently that causes the potatoes to start sputting a lot faster i did i did not know so, that That's, so if you put onions and potatoes together they yes and i and i okay. the one thing i've learned is do not put onions not put fruit with onions so because they would pick up the flavor of onions so if you even bite into an apple and it's like this is kind of sweet and oniony it's probably the reason why so i will tell you right now i am looking at like so i have i have a produce bowl that i have like lined with like a like a towel and anything that does not go in the fridge that's like a fruit or vegetable goes in there so i have like one of those netted bags full of like yellow onions i've got some sweet potatoes i've got some limes i've got some lemons my garlic's in there so you're saying i'm doing everything wrong yeah so garlic garlic i think garlic is fine um, okay garlic's fine garlic is fine but yes pretty much like mixing in fruit and keeping that separate uh -huh. and then some of the fruit what i do is i keep you know keep it out out on the shelf like avocados if they're not fully ripe yet mm. then once they're ripe i put them in the fridge to kind of prolong it. Mm. but i do that yeah so right now we're, we're learning we're learning more about like containers and keeping things in containers and separately in inside the the fridge like herbs Wait, how, how are you learning about all this where where is this all where is all this new knowledge coming from david so this new knowledge um so my wife came across this youtube um, I believe it's Korean. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, you shared this with me. It's, uh, it's called Hammy Mommy. Uh, yeah, yeah. This looks, yeah, no, that it's definitely Korean. Um, I, so, so for, for everyone, I, I am a very bad Korean American that I don't speak Korean. I can read a little bit though. So I, and I can identify which characters are Korean. And so the YouTube channel does come up with some Korean characters. So yeah. I'm, I'm guessing she's Korean. Yeah, so it's it's completely like there's translations and stuff and the way it's stored um, makes it 
in a way almost how chefs store their you know they have a large refrigerator so like storing things mm-hmm. separately in different containers even within the fridge um to kind of give the vegetables and the fruits kind of like their own like environment so they're not you know mm-hmm. taking out like that so we're learning from that so what's what's one like practical what's one thing that you found success with or one thing that you're you're going to try uh that you learned from this channel i think like keeping like vegetables separate in their own containers i think a lot of it you and know, by containers you mean like storage containers. are we talking about like the oh storage containers, so, like like the plastic container stores kind of stuff yes i personally don't like keeping things i, I think that, that there needs to be like air, air circulation within the container mm. i think plastic okay. bags kill like they cook things um so i guess like my trick would when tell people like you know if you wrap things in plastic bags and you just throw them in the fridge you what wonder why things are welted as if you know if you stick your hand in a plastic bag and leave it there for a while you start to get sweaty right because you know it, it does conduct some heat so definitely like some um and this person puts like you know like towels wraps them in towels and of course you use, reuse the towels once you know if you're going to clean or wipe down the surface because those towels are clean um they mm-hmm. talk about herbs like moistening a towel with like herbs or lettuce because you know having that moisture in there helps to keep elongate the freshness which yeah, is we're talking about like an actual like cloth towel we're not talking about like a paper towel you can use right? a paper towel or a cloth towel okay i think a small cloth towel will be a lot more environmentally friendly Right. I feel like I, when I was watching her channel, like just one of the videos, she was using a lot of more like sustainable or reusable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pieces. So oh, that, that's good to know. So, I mean, all this will be trial and error. And sometimes like it's just because like having a whole container of strawberries and you know, in strawberries, I've learned is like you have to soak them in like one part vinegar, three part water. And apparently it doesn't pick up the taste. So mm-hmm. but we've been freezing a lot of things too, freezing a lot of berries. Yeah, definitely. Like, honestly, like berries are and fruit like that are one of the things that like goes bad so quickly after I buy them as well. You know, I, I I think the the method that I was taught was like, you don't want to wash them until you're going to eat them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's, that's been like the the conventional wisdom for such a long time that like, if you don't want them to go bad, don't let them touch water. And now I think what you're saying is what we're starting to find out is that like, you should absolutely like wash stuff or process your fruit your berries and things like that in some form um ahead of time and be you know a little more aggressive about that and then there are different things that you can do to keep them keep them longer after that yeah i think there there's a conception like you know there's because say if you wash them when you get home is you don't you're not keeping things there long enough anymore but i think that's the same with a lot of things being sprayed down and those like chemicals being used and also a lot of people are touching produce like when you go and you're selecting that one apple that you think is right. the best apple. You've just touched like <laughs> 10 apples. So uh-huh. then you're not, you know, if you're not going to wash that, there's, there's a thing. I think once you also, when, once you wash it, it kind of gives you that feeling that it's ready to eat. Right. And it kind of makes it a lot more simple to, to pick up and go. Like another thing that we've done that I picked up from my parents, like tomatillos and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we know we're going to make salsa them in the future or like something like some kind of sauce we freeze them just wash them throw them in a ziploc bag or something that is able to go in the freezer wash them process them either like like jalapenos we just did that with peppers wash Mm -hmm. them throw them in in a reusable bag and freeze it and then once they're ready you just pull them out the freezer and you roast them or cook them or put them in boiling water and 
Right. Put them into make salsa or sauce. Because at that point, you're when you know the application, you know, you're going to put them into a salsa. So like freezing them isn't going to do that much. Like you're not eating them like fresh necessarily mm-hmm. in like the sense that like they're being processed more. So like the texture of that doesn't really matter that much. So freezing them is OK. I do want to ask about tomatillos because like I've, um, you know, I, I've made stuff with tomatillos, uh, of, you know, a couple times now. I'm curious to know how you process them, because. You know, they have the outer husk and what I'll do is I'll buy a bunch of them. I'll have the out, I'll take off the outer husk and they're like so like waxy and greasy on the outside. Right. They're sticky. Yeah, they're a little sticky. Yeah, yeah, they're a little sticky. And so like I'll run them underwater and kind of like, you know, try to rub the surface until some of that goes away. But it never all goes away for me. I mean, are, am I am I not washing them enough? <laughs> am I, I, not? I just for me personally, I think it's fine. You think it's fine? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the husk is there to protect them. So like, right. I don't think it's it not works. like this is like you know insecticide or anything that's on them it is it is like the the fruit itself or the the vegetable itself is producing that coating yes because we we grow we grow them a lot and um my parents grew them a lot in their garden so i'm used to like Mm -hmm. them being kind of that sticky thing so it's it's kind of a natural um it being but the one thing we'll buy them in the grocery store like i I rip the husks a lot to check them because you know they're they hide the the bad ones so you have to make oh, sure. Oh, really? Oh, okay. That, that's good. That's so good don't just know. start grabbing them by the handful. Um, I've definitely done that. I will stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And there, oh, also, I know, Doug, we we're talking about like, you mentioned this in an earlier conversation or about when you start noticing some produce going bad and you say you start to just cut away the bad portion and then just oh, the yeah. rest. Yeah, that is definitely that's that's what I do now. <laughs> do, do you do that with everything? Is there certain foods you're like, no, I'm not. I mean, I mean, so like this is I have to say that like my my threshold for whether I'll keep something or throw away has definitely changed because of, you know, the coronavirus, like because I I, I don't want to be as wasteful. Like in general, I've been trending to try to not produce as much food waste. Um, but obviously the coronavirus like situation has uh kind of accelerated how aggressive i am about that and so you know definitely growing up as a kid like if something had mold on it and and i knew it and my what my mom would do is she would cut it off and still try to serve it to me and i'd be like no (laughs) (laughs) i would definitely like not eat it and would like complain and whine and scream about it i was a it was a very bratty kid um you know, contrasting to now where, yeah, I, what I'm, you know, like I get a bad onion every once in a while. Uh, and so like what happens is like, I'll, I'll cut into it. I'll like cut off the top of it and then I'll realize that there's some like rot going on. And so what I'll do then is I'll, I'll have the onion and kind of see how far it is. And if it's, maybe it's one to one side, then I'll keep the other half. Um, if it's not too advanced, even if it is on one side, if I can peel away the air, the the layers. So usually the rod is on the outside. Mm-hmm. I can just peel the layers and then keep the ones that are still like intact and that are good. Sometimes if there's too much rot, I mean, obviously, and there's nothing I can salvage, I'll have to throw the entire thing away. But like, like ginger sometimes, and it will get a little moldy on like the cut section. I'll just cut that off. Okay. Uh, and then, and then I'll look and make sure that like the rest of it's intact. I'll just cut away as much as I can, uh, and then use whatever is left. Uh, same with like green onions or scallions. You know, sometimes some of the some of the the greens will start to get a little bit wilted. I'll just take those and I'll peel them off 
and because that's also also kind of like a layer and then i'll just make sure to wash out the rest of it pretty thoroughly and then you know move on from there so i i really do try to save as much of it as i can tomatoes same thing sometimes like the top gets a little bit moldy i'll just cut that part off if it's not affecting the rest of it then you know i'll i'll keep the rest of it and use it awesome yeah we we've i've been doing the same thing and it's like just take away the the bits and pieces you know some of it like usually with like strawberries or berries if it's if the, the fuzzy mm-hmm. stuff is on there obviously i remove those and anything like in that proximity but and then just try to yeah make sure just use them immediately or wash them yeah. very well and sometimes just try to like either freeze it or try to make something real quick with it i think the other thing we've been using is uh and I think I think I, I think this is kind of like my parents and I, and I've seen this a little like a lot like Latino households I've grown up or uh, immigrant households where you reuse packaging. Like we have mason mm. jars to store things, but we also have like yeah. jelly jars. We have some like, yeah. t- you know, like butter, butter um, containers that have other things inside and just kind of mm. reuse those. Like I think like the jelly jars specifically We've been using those for like herbs, you know, we put a little bit of water at the bottom and put the oh, parsley nice. or cilantro in there because it kind of like, you know, still holds it up and it doesn't take up too much space in your refrigerator. So like we'd be yeah. using those as containers, even for like extra salsas and stuff like that. So, yeah, no. So I so, yeah, my jar collection is growing and I've had to call it a couple times because I I do want like a consistent set of jars like it does sort of bug me when I have like 12 different kinds of jars. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I try to keep the ones that have like a wide mouth. I don't like jars that like have like a skinny top oh, and, yeah. they, and then they balloon out because it's just like hard to get things in there. Mm-hmm. And so like, but what I generally use all my jars for right now is I try to preserve things in them. So, you know, I've been making gimchi. So I had some leftover gimchi jars that I would then put more gimchi into or some pickle jars that I've, I've also used for any of the overflow of the gimchi that I've made. I'm making my own pickles. So I'm using those jars for that. Um, and these are to be fair, like quick pickles, like, you know, one part water, one part, uh, distilled vinegar, equal parts sugar, salt, and then just throwing vegetables in there, like daikons or cucumbers or anything like that, and any other like herbs or spices that you want. Um, so I've been using them for that. Um, so I don't I don't store herbs in them. Like I, I specifically have them so I can like um, put tops in them, uh, and then a key. So I don't use I don't lose use yogurt containers. Like I know that's something. Like my mom definitely would save every single plastic container and I would always find them in the dishwasher. <laughs> um, I don't do that. But what I will do is I will take takeout containers. So like the deli, the deli containers, I will save those and I'll use those to like store uh, different things or I'll use them as like prep bowls. And then the, the uh, black plastic with the clear lids yes. that you get from like restaurants are so good i use those all the time and we have so yeah have, you know like the deli container you talked about like the clear ones yeah. where like if you know someone has like potato salad at the counter they put them in mm-hmm. that i love those and also like you watch chef shows or like restaurant shows and that's what like they, they store their spices in because you can put your whole oh, hand yeah. in there and mm-hmm. we've used it for so many things just to store either in our pantry they're convenient and like and once again like i have to police my collection because so many of those containers like the deadly containers are very standard thankfully which is why i really like them the other takeout containers with like the black the black bottoms and the clear lids i have to be careful about which ones that i save because i've gotten to the point before where 
I've just like saved all of them. And then the lids look like they fit, but they don't fit. And there are very subtle differences in between like mm-hmm. the containers. And it's just really frustrating to have like the wrong lid with like the wrong like container. And it just like, it drives me crazy. So I, I've had to like, every time I have one of those that I like want to save, I'll do like a comparison between the ones that I already have. And if it checks out, then I'll keep it. If it doesn't, it goes out to the recycling. So <laughs> after washing it, of course, assuming they're recyclable, which usually they are. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that I do want to mention, you mentioned like you're freezing a lot of your ingredients. I'm doing a fair amount of freezing myself, probably not to the extent that you are. But one thing that I am doing um, is I am I'm taking all like the discards from my vegetables, uh, like every onion top, every onion root, every garlic root, uh, any anything that I would not eat normally or even like vegetable peelings. I'm throwing those all into a like a gallon Ziploc freezer bag. Uh, for soup stock okay yeah i also thought about composting but yeah that's for a different different time (laughs) i can't do composting here um in my apartment but but i can save those vegetables and freeze them and then eventually once i have like a you know if if i got like a rotisserie chicken or if i bought a chicken or anything like that if i want to make something kind of soupy i'll throw those in um my instant pot along with whatever like meat and bones that I have. And then I'll use that to just like enrich the stock. So that kind of um, brings up. So it looks like you're using everything, all the ingredients as much as you can. And I what mean, you have, no, let, let's be fair. I could be doing better. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yes, you could be. Doing I'm better. making progress, but I'm making progress. That kind of leads me into. So we've been looking through YouTube and we've came across. We, as in my wife came across and then she showed it to me. Uh, this she's doing all the hard research. She's over doing here, all she? the hard research. <laughs> she's gonna give her credit. Um, yeah, let's give credit to Megan. Megan, thank you for doing all this so research. She, and she all came this across cool this like ninety-year-old woman who grew up during the the Great Depression, and oh, she recorded all these videos of her cooking, or either her son, or I mean her child, or her grandchild recorded her making these recipes from when they used to make in the great depression and she made them like early 2000s and i think they were uploaded like 2013 ish in the 10s so now like they kind of resurfaced and came across and pretty much talks about using ingredients and using everything you can you essentially don't toss anything you use the scraps to make a different dish you use leftovers to make other dishes and it was very like uplifting and like kind of like taking like i think there's a recipe of how to take dandelions and make like a dandelion salad oh yeah yeah i've heard about that and you know i was like thinking like oh my god my front yard is creating produce now eating weeds right. i'm not sure how how comfortable i am but i am curious to try that yeah who's doing your lawn care that's actually a more important question <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no no that's that's cool it's it's interesting like the only thing i've ever actually used dandelions for is as a kid um they told us that like you know if you like take a dandelion and you break the stem open it has that kind of like milky sap mm-hmm. they told us that would help relieve uh mosquito bites oh did not know that now Looking back upon that, I don't feel like it ever worked. <laughs> I feel like that's just something that you tell kids. Uh, but if anyone knows if that's actually true or not, or if anyone else has has heard that as well. But I remember like getting eaten alive as a kid in parks and things like that. And we would always find dandelion, break it open, and we would use the the, the milk to 
we would rub that on like bites, um, which I, I'm guessing probably actually made things worse, but it was like, at the very least, like, you know, your kid is busy doing this and not complaining for a little bit. Okay, uh, so this this YouTube channel, um, this depression era, save every scrap. What is this called? So the YouTube channel is called Great Depression Cooking, and it's made by uh, a woman named Clara. Um, talks about so she was she's ninety eight years old. Um, mm-hmm. I think she passed away pretty recently. I believe in the last uh-huh. couple years or so. Um, no, this is fascinating. I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to dig into this. Some of them are like eleven years eleven years ago, twelve years ago, and it's so crazy to think back That's that cool. these are becoming popular again, and how we're mm-hmm. learning from the generation that did go through very very tough struggles, and how we're kind of have to relearn those things. And mm-hmm. I wonder, like the next ten years, what have we learned because of COVID would essentially come in handy again in 10 to 12 or even like 20 years from now i i do think it's interesting that like um that we are looking to the past like both of us are looking to our parents or grandparents for you know how to because they've been through kind of rougher situations where food was less secure um and, and you know money was tighter and so we're looking to them for that and then seeing this you know depression era like recipes uh and techniques like it it does make me wonder though. It's like we I think collectively our generation has this sort of fear of of the era of food just past the depression where like canning and tinning and instant foods and processed foods became really big, where you have those weird ham molds with jello and mayonnaise and random vegetables and fruit thrown in. Mm-hmm. Uh and I'm I'm really hoping at the very least that we don't look to that era of cooking but maybe we maybe we will have to maybe we'll have to and that we'll have to learn to appreciate that but uh it is it is hopefully one that we can maybe skip over this time but i don't know actually to be fair maybe i'm wrong about that uh, maybe maybe those things were delicious um maybe i need to like give it a shot and try to make one of those things well, i think now with like our see if I, like it. I think with now with our generation our current time like even if we were to go back to canning and tinning i think we're more diverse we're more knowledge i think knowledge like with the internet more nutritional knowledge of how to do things Mm -hmm. better and more correctly and how to enhance things and uh know the properties of different foods to make sure we're getting the best nutrition as possible and how to make them last i think we can take old old mindsets um older mindsets of thinking of those times Mm -hmm. um and take some of that but also use our new knowledge of food is there anyone else that you're following right now that you're learning things from some chefs here and there um but sometimes i I like i watch catch myself watching videos of how to do things properly from different like there's like epicurious has these videos of how-to videos like how to cut every vegetable and how to cut Mm. every fruit and i just watched a, a whole video on how to fillet every uh, fish and shellfish so like learning those things and like techniques just because i am cooking more and i want to make sure i am a using my time wisely and not just mm-hmm. butchering everything that i put on the cutting board <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely because you you just got a, a good batch of seafood recently uh you managed to catch one of the trucks that actually drives up here 
from oh, was it Texas? Yes, from Galveston, Galveston, Texas. Yeah. So did okay, so I guess here's the thing. So you watched a video from Epicurious that tells you how to fillet every fish. Did it work? Did it teach? Did you know how to fillet a fish before that? I have filleted a fish when I was like younger. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think I did it correctly. I, you know, it's <laughs> I chopped it. I think, <laughs> but it's kind of like knowing about the pin bones and how to remove those properly and how to cut into cut into it and how to start. So I did, mm-hmm. you know, I watched this video before I bought the fish. It kind of right. made it because I watched the video. It kind of made the idea of buying a whole fish not as uh, intimidating. Mm-hmm. So it kind of felt like, you know, like it's easy to buy meat or like chicken because you know how to prepare it. Like it's it's kind of becomes like second nature to be like, OK, yeah. you cut it this way. A steak's already cut for you. It's not like you're taking a leg of a cow or the ribs and like, all right time to make cuts out of it um mm-hmm. and then you know some fish like some fish at the at the grocery store it's already filleted for you and prepared mm-hmm. but you know like dealing with something that's completely fresh with scales and that's only been gutted and you know it's whole so you know how fresh it is and their whole thing is like you know it's not even 24 hours old you know, since when they catch it so it's like i can't miss this opportunity i'm not gonna let this and be like i've never prepared this before be like a be intimidated by it so bought it learned how to descale it without a descaler it makes it's a it became a messy situation wait how do you how do you descale without a descaler without a descaler i just use a butter knife um and then i essentially uh-huh. try to get into the scales and once you get like a few of them removed and then you go up and down you don't want to cut into okay. the flesh but kind of like they kind of wiggle the scales out and they're transparent it's mm-hmm. sticky uh it was a red snapper and apparently mm-hmm. with red snappers the scales aren't as sticky or hard to get out comparison to other other fish um, mm-hmm. breeds. Apparently, some of them have stickier scales. Like these, I mean, some mm-hmm. of these scales were like flying. Like it's been <laughs> it's been um, it's been half a week, and my dog will find a scale here and there, like <laughs> oh, on the no. floor. He like try to eat it. Um, but yeah, so like. Took the red snapper. I was going to cook it whole. I didn't have the ingredients to make it whole, like Greek style. So I decided mm-hmm. to fillet it and just make it really quick. And and yeah, so I just remember watching that video. They have a red snapper section and rewatched it just to make sure. And it was pretty easy. Just you know, knowing about the pin bones and the anatomy of a fish. And I think with fish and, and it's just so flavorful that I think from here on out, I'm going to try to make more dishes out of it. Nice. I, I don't buy whole fish all that often. If I do, they've already been gutted. They've generally already been descaled. Usually if I'm buying it from like one of the grocery stores that does have some whole fish. Um, and so I haven't had to do a lot of descaling myself. So that's something that I would need to learn. But but I do like if I'm going to buy a whole fish, I definitely try to do the like whole version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I know for a lot of people is like a bridge too far. <laughs> and and definitely for me for a long time, that was it took me a long time to build up to that point where I felt comfortable doing it. And even now, like I do it so infrequently that it is I do kind of have to like check online and and do a couple of references to make sure that I'm like doing it right. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. I, I'm, I'm glad that the video was like helpful because I think that like that means that like these tools are out there and they are useful uh, to like help people explore you know, some some new horizons that maybe they they didn't feel comfortable with before. So, yeah, and I think I think the power of the Internet has definitely helped 
learn and make cooking or cooking different things not such a intimidating factor and it's like it's also helpful to learn you know and i encourage if something that you really want to try look at some youtube videos and there'll be some people who make it look really hard and also some people who make the same dish completely make it look so easy and inviting and then once you find that and it you're amped to do it and once you learn that dish it becomes really it can become second nature nice how about you, Doug? What have what kind of videos or learning have you been done? I know you've been following some chefs and some different cooking styles and trying different things. You're 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 completely the experimental side of things. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's experimental. I'm just I'm just trying to find for some reason I've been coming across like a couple of different chefs. So one of them, the one good thing that's happening right now with coronavirus is a lot of chefs are out there like educating people on their Instagram channels, on their Instagram live, uh, which I think is it's it's one small silver lining in a very bad situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so there's one account that I'm following. Um, so there, the, his restaurant is is Junzi Kitchen, um, J-U-N-Z-I. And I think his name is Lucas Sin. Uh, you can find him on Instagram. And so he's been if you look at his stories, he's like teaching people how to cook from home some of these dishes that you would find at the restaurant or adaptations of those. And so it's been really interesting because I, I I think Chinese food is this kind of, it's very undiscovered here in America, even though there's so many Chinese restaurants here. Um, a lot of it is, you know, more of like a, I don't know, Panda Express Chinese American style, which is, that's not to say that there's like anything wrong with that. That I think in and of itself is like its own really valuable genre of food or or, or type of cuisine. Um, but he's taken some of those things and he he's really good about the history and explaining where these dishes come from and where these techniques come from and how they've migrated, you know, from China to other places or how there are different variations of certain dishes. And so I've just been, you know, watching him cook certain things. And so like I recently made this uh I love eggs. I try to make a lot of egg dishes and he made this egg custard, uh, which is or this steamed egg custard, which is you take an egg, you take like half a cup of water or broth, uh, you beat them together and then uh, you throw it in the microwave. <laughs> now, I don't have a microwave. I steamed it and you can use a steamer, which is what I did. Um, but it creates this like really beautiful, lightly textured um, custard that you know it has savory applications so you can throw a little bit of soy sauce or chili crisp or anything like that on there and it just is this very delicate um tender expression of an egg which i think is really cool he did this uh, other one on shrimp where he demonstrates like why the shrimp at like nicer chinese restaurants tastes very different than the shrimp that you would normally make yourself or that you would get at another restaurant and it involves this like very aggressive uh, iterative like cleaning process and curing process that uh, honestly is like a lot of work but like did produce that flavor of shrimp that i have gotten from some chinese restaurants that i never really quite identified why it was the way that it was i always assumed it was like something in the sauce but it literally is the shrimp itself tastes different because of this process and so it's been interesting to learn more about Chinese cooking and where some of these techniques come from and the history behind it and, and how that all happened and how it's evolved. Uh, and then also to be able to, you know, practice that dish, um, 
and make it yourself and kind of deepen my understanding of and my respect for what happens in those kitchens. And so, um, yeah, 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 I think Chinese cuisine, it's just it's so expansive. And I mean, like you said, like, you know, there's the American Chinese and there's like a whole history of the reason why it was developed the way it was and has to do with a lot of systemic oppression and, you know, like figuring out and then the whole attacking of the MSG that. Oh, God, yeah, that it's just crazy because you know msg is and pretty much lots of things that we consume every day and then like chi- it makes things taste good it makes things taste <laughs> incredible and then yeah. you have like china that's like this country that's so huge and you know you know if food food alone in the united states is regional now take a bigger country and population size yeah. and then you have that and it's just like it's it's like an overload of flavor yeah. and different things so yeah an even more complicated history and longer history yes. of of all that and then also all of its neighbors you know and, and how all that i mean because there's a there are there's a lot of influence from china uh that goes into korean cooking uh and japanese cooking and and, and everyone that is a neighbor to them and so it's uh i mean even ketchup is chinese <laughs> i mean it literally is derived from like a sauce that was made that was found there and other things they did and then eventually got evolved into what we we have today and so it's through a very long convoluted like process of immigration and and travel and and you know um and colonialism and things like that it's it's kind of crazy to think about but it it just it's such a rich history and you know like indian food chinese food is one of those things like that's too big of a blanket statement we need to get better at like understanding the regions and calling them the region that they come from Mm -hmm. um if we're gonna you know if we they want to learn more about that like we just kind of have to get better at that thanks everyone for listening to our third episode uh if you have any questions suggestions or if there are any topics that you'd like uh, to suggest to us, or even if you want to tell us that we're wrong, uh, you can reach us by email at wearebeyondhungry at gmail.com. Uh, additionally, if you really enjoyed this episode or any of the previous ones, please feel free to give us a reading on Apple Podcasts. That would really, really help us out. It would be hugely appreciative. Yeah, um, again, this music was done by Bo Brenton. Um, follow him on Instagram or Spotify at Bo Brenton. So that's B-E-A-U-B-R-E-N-T-O-N. And also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Beyond Hungry. And towards the end of the episode, we talked about a few YouTube videos. And if you're really interested in checking those out, please visit us at wearebeyondhungry.com and head over to episodes episodes and under episode three those links will be there and thank you again for listening thanks Mm